Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Big 12 has decided not to expand. We'll wait for the apology as they just wasted half of our year. We'll hand out the most illustrious award in college football, the Clatter. I'll recognize some of our sport's top midseason performers. And we'll look ahead to the huge matchup in the SEC between Texas A&M and number one Alabama. All of that on Breaking the Huddle starts right now. Hey, welcome into Breaking the Huddle, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's a college football tradition. No tailgater watch party is complete without Dr. Pepper. I'm Joel Klatt, and thank you again for joining us tonight. We're here each and every Tuesday night on Facebook Live. We're also a podcast, so make sure to subscribe to the Breaking the Huddle podcast on iTunes. We also want you to be a part of the show as fans, so comment there on Facebook, and we're going to get to that, and we'll respond during the course of the show. And if you really like the show... This is where it gets tough. Share it. Click share, share it to your friends, and they can be a part of it as well. We've got a loaded show for you tonight. We're going to have Rob Stone on the program. We're going to have um, Bruce Feldman on the program. We're going to give out the Clatter Awards. That's right. First Clatter Awards, midseason awards during the course of this. Most overrated team, underrated team, offensive player, best coach, so on and so forth. So if you've got an idea for some of those, you can throw them up on Facebook as well. Uh, we're going to get to some of the best, biggest games of the weekend. We'll preview those, including... A&M and Alabama. We'll talk about Ohio State and Michigan. I'm going to tell you why I think Michigan should be ranked ahead of Ohio State right now in the poll, even though they're not. So I'll get to that a little bit later in the program as well. But first and foremost, I have a little bone to pick with my old conference. Hey, Big 12, what was that? To say I'm disappointed in the conference that I played in is an understatement to say the least. I feel terrible for the schools and the programs that had to grovel at the foot of the Big 12, knowing that there was basically only one hope to enter the coveted Power Five. Schools like BYU, Houston, and Cincinnati probably are most disappointed at this point because they were the most excited to get in. Any other, other number of schools also led down the path like UCF, Air Force, CSU, SMU, Tulane, UConn, etc., the Mountain West and the AAC as conferences, they had to feel hopeless while all this was going on. The Big Bad Big 12 was looking through the cupboard, trying to find something to eat while they were tied up in the corner. This whole charade was about one thing and one thing only, money. Attach a little side order of greed to that and nothing more. The Big 12 wanted to have a cash call from their television partners to the tune of $25 million per additional school because that is what they claimed the grant of rights said they could do. 
They were not trying to make the conference better athletically or stronger academically, no matter what they were trying to sell us or say. As I said back in the summer, the television partners that they have are in a different business climate than they were back in the day when that grant of rights was signed. Those partners are the lifeblood to any conference. Just ask the Big Ten or the SEC. They should have been consulted well before any thought of expansion was kicked around, much less released to the public or the candidates. Because right now it just feels like a hostage situation. Those schools, many of whom don't have large budgets to begin with, had to shell out anywhere between 10 and 15 grand, which I know doesn't seem like a lot in this current state of college athletics, but those people don't have great budgets. Just to get themselves ready for the dance, only to be left at home before they could even take a picture with their date. Remember, this is all under the farce of an umbrella that is called amateurism. But don't worry, I'm sure none of those student athletes on those campuses could have benefited from an extra budget of ten to fifteen thousand dollars. The Big 12 is not on shaky ground because they have ten schools. That's a lie. They're on shaky ground because they allow Texas to bully the others into signing a non-equal revenue sharing agreement. Follow the money. If you want to fix the conference, then you have to come together on common ground and for the common good, just as every other school and every other program has done around the country, save for maybe Notre Dame. Then, and only then, will the Big 12 start down the road towards stability and a long-term future. But before that happens, maybe they should just apologize to all the potential dates that they asked to the prom only to leave them at home to go to the dance alone. To say I'm disappointed is an understatement. With that bright and cheery note, I bring in my co-hosts, <laughs> Rob Stone and Bruce Feldman. Fellas, uh, that's where we're starting today because that's really what college football is talking about. Your thoughts on the Big 12's announcement not to expand and how it all played out. Bruce, we'll start with you. I'm going to read to you something. This okay. is from the Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. If we do nothing, we will be substantially behind other Power Five leagues a decade from now. That was and from, he said that this summer? No, he, yeah, he said that in May. Okay. A, after the Big 12 meetings, I think you were out there as well. Uh, they twisted and turned and went all the way around in circles. And I, ultimately, I think this came back to, well, we can't get a Big 12 TV network because they're entangled with Texas and the because Longhorn Network. Because of Texas. Network. That's the problem. Because of the Longhorn Network. And, and separate Longhorn deals. Network, yeah. But also, look, the reality is they're not the SEC when it comes to brand loyalty. Sure. They're not the Big 10. You are what you are. The Pac-12 struggles with some of these issues. And I think they struggled to kind of get on the same page. And ultimately, I think it's the most misguided and the mismanaged of all the conferences because they're they have the most screwed up you know, dynamic between them, yeah. in part because of Texas. They've done themselves zero favors since the spring. Sure. Right? I mean, what, what positives can we take out of the Big 12? And we love the conference. I mean, you and I were just talking about it. We, I know a lot of those guys. We care about the people there. Yes. We love those programs. I, I legitimately get excited that Texas Tech is playing football, even though they don't have an offensive line to save their lives. <laughs> I, still, I still enjoy Patrick Mahomes playing. Sure. I'm, I'm thrilled what Baylor has yeah. been able to overcome and what West Virginia is doing right now. But what they have become in the college football world, because let's be honest, that is all that matters in college yeah. athletics. I love you college basketball. I love you college soccer. But it's all about football, right? And the Big 12 right now is an absolute joke. I don't think anybody's going to cut them any slack. I don't think they're going to get any credit. I don't think their stock has gone up. If anything, I think they've hurt themselves in the long run with their TV network partners who essentially, if you ask me, hijacked. They essentially took the TV partners, yeah. ESPN and Fox, put an arm around their wrist, 
had some maybe some of that, that stuff in a rag and threatened to put <laughs> it on their face and choke them out and say, give us some money. I mean, it was a hijacking. And I know it's easy for us to say that in the TV world and things like that. And yes, we're partners. And I, I, I do think the conference should look out for what's best for the conference. Sure. But they have a lot of different little pieces that they need to look out for. And they have mismanaged, to me, on the outside, every single play of their hand. You know, if, if you wanted to have the television partners buy out the portion of the agreement that states, hey, you know, we'll give you $25 million extra per school added, then go to them and take them to the bargaining table. Don't do it at the expense of Cincinnati and at the expense of BYU and Houston, who are the three most legitimate candidates, or Colorado State and Air Force and SMU and Tulane and UConn and so on and so forth, UCF. That's what I have a problem with, is that none of this was about the quote-unquote student-athlete. I, I get so frustrated. But this was about greed. The Big 12 wanted more money. They're getting a conference championship game. They didn't need to expand to get a conference championship game. If they had to get to 12 just to get that game, I would have understood this whole charade. But the bottom line is they're having a championship game next year whether they expand or not. So this was And the money that comes with it. And the money that comes with it. So they're going to grow financially, and they just wanted to get bought out of that portion of the contract. I thought it was handled poorly, to say the least. To, to well, take your partners into the back room, essentially, and say, And if you're going to do it, do it on the down low. Yes. Right? Come this out to so L.A., public. go out to Bristol, right. do this it, don't make speed it come dating. out. This became speed dating for them. You know, back at, at Big 12 Media Days in Dallas, this is in middle of July, they basically had a, a conference call and said, hey, we're taking all bidders, come up to the table. Ugh. And so you see these schools, and you're like, wait a minute, this school has no business realistically on right. the same page as Texas and Oklahoma, but they're all putting their names in and they're making these very public things. And it, it was really just a bizarre kind of dance they played with all of them. And ultimately, you know, Bob Bowlesby said yesterday on the, on the conference call when he's explaining this, well, it was kind of a, a read, uh, their whole model basically is about, you know, the round robin and we feel like you have these, well then do that. Don't, don't go tell us one thing and then say, hey, this is what we're going to be beholden to because this is what we embrace. Because the two things are mutually, they don't work together. Can, can I go back to that original quote that you mm -hmm. just read from Bowlesby back in May? May, early said, May. So if, if we don't expand, he's basically saying it's the death of the Big 12. Well, they're not expanding. Right, 10 years so from what now. So what, what is the lifeline mm. right now for the Big 12? I, I don't know. And to be honest it's with you. It's not good, is it? And listen, you. Are we putting them in hospice? Well, Maybe not in the in Texas the short can term. go somewhere. Oklahoma probably goes somewhere. I don't know. You know who's where gonna, is the SEC really going to take Oklahoma and Oklahoma State? I'm not sure. I'm about not that. sure about that either. Um, and then all these other really good programs are left to you know West Virginia, the ACC, yeah, or the SEC. Yeah. You know, I mean, West Virginia could not. I, I was in Morgantown, but they're going to be cannibalized. Gonna, it's yeah, gone. But they were they they were not allowed to get in the ACC because they just didn't. They were told they weren't a fit. This is back when Oliver Luck was mm -hmm. there. They were looking about where do they fit. They get into the Big Twelve. And now, you know, the Big 12, my guess, is not going to be here 10 years from now. We're, we're going to see. And I, I love, you know, Texas. I really do as, as a program. I, I respect their job. I've called it the best job in football. Still believe that. I think it's one of the premier, if not the premier, brands in our sport. But here's another bottom line truth to this whole endeavor. The pride and greed of Texas is about to kill a third conference. Um, it killed the Southwest Conference. It killed the original version of the Big 12. And this version of the Big 12 is going to be fractured based on the model that they require. Every, 
Alabama has an equal revenue sharing agreement with Vanderbilt, okay? They could go to the table and pound their fists and say, we're better than Vanderbilt, and nobody would say boo, okay? We understand that, but there's a time to throw your power around and your weight around, and there's a time not to. Texas, get your pride down to the ground level and understand that the entire stability of the conference that you play in rests on your shoulders. If you want to continue to be big, bad Texas and throw your greed and your pride around, then guess what? You're going to end up either as an independent or in the SEC or in a Pac-16, all right? And you're going to lose all of those things that I think you hold near and dear to your heart as of this point because it's going to end, and it's going to end in a really bad fashion at some point if this continues down that hey, road. Hey, Joe Klatt, how many AP Top 25 votes did Texas get this week? Uh, I don't, they did not get any, Zero, right? zero. One less than Troy. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you need to be humbled a little bit more? A little Iron Sheik reference? Good Iron Sheik reference. I try. Okay, we're going to pick this up a little bit and try to have a little bit more fun. Remember, um, you're watching on Facebook Live. We invite you to share the show. We invite you to comment, do any of those things. Wes says Oklahoma wasn't up for it. Texas and Oklahoma want out. Um, maybe. Uh, what conference isn't greedy? I understand that, but at least Douglas says that. What conference isn't greedy? I understand that. But at least every other conference has an equal revenue sharing agreement, and they don't take their television partners behind the woodshed and hold them hostage using other group of five schools to do it in a very public manner. They do it the right way, like any other business would. They take them into a negotiating room and they negotiate a deal. Once that deal is signed, then they go out and they put it into practice. It's a very different thing than holding your partners hostage. Jerry says, we want out from under Texas. He's an OU fan, possibly. We'll see how that goes. Wait, is he an OU fan or possibly he's an OU fan? Oh, no, he is an, no, OU, he is an OU fan. fan. I said, all right, possibly you can get possibly out. Possibly gotcha, you gotcha. Get, get out from Good under. luck with that. Yeah. yeah, okay. So now let's have some fun. The Clatters. Mid-season awards. Here we go, guys. This is the um, categories we're going to have. We're going to have most overrated team, most underrated team, best offensive player, best defensive player, best coach, and pe best post-game locker room speech. So, if you're on Facebook right now, you can start throwing in uh, your candidates for those awards. And here we go. I know we don't have a drum roll, and I'm not Clark W. Griswold, so I'm not going to ask for one, even though your guys are giving me. Most overrated team right now. And the clatter goes to Ole Miss. You are the most overrated team right now in the country. Congratulations, Revs. You did it. Three and three, baby. Three still and three, ranked. Still ranked. One power five win. You did it. All right, guys. World's best cup of coffee. Wofford, Georgia. I thought Georgia. you said you were picking things up. That sounded like a very negative. Sorry, Donna. Very, oh, yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, very negative right. clatter. Or the, uh, Maybe the we clatter? should have started but out with But we did it like with the... a bit of cheer. I'm trying to lift it up. I quoted Elf. How Who doesn't love the Elf? movie Elf? It's coming around Elf time, isn't it? World's By the best way, did you notice? Can we put up the Can we put up the trophy shot one more time? Is that possible? Can our Can our, our staff? I don't know if we 10, can do that. Ten hundred people put up. Is, oh, look at this. look at look at tiny little Joel Clathead. Where is it? Where's tiny little Joel Clathead? <laughs> tiny Joel Clathead. Give me tiny Joel Clathead. Oh, there, there it there is. There we go. We're going to be <laughs> sending tiny Joel Clathead. Tiny Joel Clathead. You can't expand down, that next time. Down, next down, year, guys. For next year's miss. Clatters. The budget's bigger. The budget's bigger. Hey, let's hold someone hostage to get hey. a big All right. Now we're having fun. Most overrated team is Ole Miss, and here's why. At 3-3, three and three, I understand that they had some good losses, 
but I'm tired of ranking teams based on good losses. Hey, Alabama, what conference are they in, Joel Clark? They're in the SEC. Yeah. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there just yet. People think that I'm an SEC hater. But when you beat Wofford, Georgia, who lost to Vanderbilt, and Memphis, that doesn't mean that you're a great 3-3 three and three team. It means that you're 3-3 three and three and lost to some good teams. I don't care how well that they played in some of those losses. They still lost. They gave up a huge lead against Florida State, which has turned out to be not as great of a team as we thought. Ole Miss right now, guys, is my most overrated team in the country. That would have been mine. I didn't know you were Yes! Them, so. Bruce! And look, it's... Congratulations, Hugh. I don't... It's, this is the pollster's <laughs> fault. And, and they just automatically... Yeah, they did play some good teams, but they didn't beat them. And they, probably the most impressive thing they've done was gave Alabama a game when they came back. That's true. Is that enough to get to merit a spot in the top 25? No. Uh, no. I think that game could have gotten out of control a little bit if it was just officiated correctly. Remember, one of their scores was on, was on the back of a blatant targeting foul against Jalen Hurts, which wasn't called, and then they ended up scoring a touchdown to get that big lead. And then the next ensuing, what, two, three series is when Hurts really got going with the run game. So Three close losses are still losses. I mean, to me, it, you know, if they beat LSU, I could see, okay, maybe then. Yeah, we'll see. But not yet. Don't get them back. In the Who else was in the running? Tennessee get a couple of votes for that um, one? Yeah, I mean, I thought Tennessee got a couple of votes. Um, I mean, this is going to sound great. Clemson got yeah. a couple of votes. I considered Clemson because they remind me a lot of the, what was Florida it, the 14? The four, Jameis team. Yeah, the Jameis team his second Jameis. year after they won the national championship. Good team. But they're not anywhere near. I mean, they shouldn't be, at least in my estimation, ranked third in the country, which yeah. I know that they drop back. But because they drop back, I just thought Ole Miss at 3-3. Three and three, And it hurts Ole Miss that the Buffaloes, Colorado, 5-2. and two, I'm sorry, Three who? power five wins. The, the who? Were ranked outside of the top 25. What team was that The Colorado again? Buffaloes. How are they doing uh, in so, the Pac-12 South? Uh, they're in the lead in the Pac-12 South. Is that right? South. Tied with somebody. Utah. Yeah. That's right. How about the Buffs? Showdown maybe Thanksgiving weekend. Ooh. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. How about, can we lift spirits up again? Let's do it. Most yeah. underrated Underrated. Team. This should be good. Mid-season clatter awards. Little drum roll. West Virginia. Yeah! West Virginia How about is the, the most years? underrated team in the country. Last week, they were undefeated and ranked 20th. Nine spots behind the next closest undefeated Power 5 team. Boise State was in the middle of that, but the next yep. closest Power 5 team that was undefeated. Nine spots. Nine times. Now, first Bueller's day off a little bit. I saw them live. They were impressive. For as bad as Texas Tech was, West Virginia held them, what, 38 points below their season average? Close to 300 yards below their season average in offensively. Lubbock. In Lubbock, by the way, in where Lubbock. they are absolutely prolific. Where Texas Tech had scored 50 points in eight straight games, the longest streak in the history of college football. So I got to give a huge shout out to the Mountaineers. The Mountaineers are for real. I would not be surprised with their schedule down the road, guys. TCU at home this week. They've got Oklahoma at home, and they've got Baylor at home. I wouldn't be surprised if the Mountaineers end up winning the Big 12, and you never know about the playoff. They're undefeated, and I think in a decent position. Uh, you know, it's interesting that if you go back to the historical um, conversations about the college football playoffs, and you know, we're two weeks away from the first two, two, season, two weeks of two weeks. regular season play before the college football playoffs 
rankings. rankings come out right now. And historically, just because you're in the top four at that time of the year, it's almost means a bad nothing. Omen, it's, yeah. yeah, usually it's a better thing to be working your way up. And here is so West Virginia jumped eight spots this week in the AP poll, which we're not going to care about in two weeks. But they're they're making that move, I think, in a lot of people's conscience, yeah. in, in voters, in other teams, in just the respect mode. Can overall. I give the, the so the number that you were referencing is seven of the eight playoff teams that we've had two playoffs, eight teams, seven of the eight entrants into the college football playoff at this point in the season were not in the top four yeah. in the AP poll. Seven of the eight. So that's West they're, Virginia they're to a, a team. Perfect spot. And as you mentioned, they've got these three marquee-ish opponents all coming into Morgan. Robert Smith has been singing Country Roads for the last couple weeks. Yeah, no, uh, we, don't need to, road. we don't need Ghost to be Robert. Robert. You're not a very good singer. singer. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I keep prodding him. I keep forcing him to sing. Bruce Adrian says uh, on Facebook, the most underrated team is my favorite team, the Washington Huskies. That's what Adrian says. What would you say about Washington? Because they're getting them. Yeah, I think they're getting their due. I mean, look, when they destroyed Stanford on national TV on, on the stage of a Friday night and got all that pressure on them without blitzing, Jake Browning, he's number two on my Heisman list, 23 touchdowns, only two picks. I think he's getting a lot of love. What's going to be really interesting, though, is they may go the rest of the season, and they may only have one, because their non-conference schedule is terrible. Yes. They may only have one ranked opponent the whole way. By the way, if they lose to Washington State in the Apple Cup, and we're getting way ahead of ourselves, they may not get to the conference title game. Right. Because Washington, ha- Washington State hasn't lost to anybody in conference play that would give them the head-to-head. And you look at Washington State's schedule, they could afford to stumble once, and if they somehow beat them in Pullman... We're talking Apple Cup in mid-October. And that's this is a, fantastic. This is a good. This is a good thing for college football. We're going to have that game. Fox, I'll, day after Thanksgiving. Uh, day after Thanksgiving on a Friday. I'll likely be there uh, The for whole that crew's game. going. Is that right? I'm, I'm saying it, yeah. You guys are all you spending come Thanksgiving. Up? Come on up. We can stay in Lewis- Thanksgiving. Lewiston. Thanksgiving. There's a paper mill Tacoma in Lewiston. Second time I've referenced it on this Facebook show. It smells awful. Do you get to tell the Petro story on this show? Yeah, I'm going to tell it that week. Okay. Thanksgiving week. Nice little tease there. Uh, underrated would be Michigan. Nope, not underrated at all. Not when you move up to third How could in the Michigan be underrated? Not underrated. Where is that not person under the from radar. that sent that note? Brent Ayers r- writes in on Facebook. They didn't even play and they moved up. That's, that's very true. Have they been, how, how often have they been out of the state of Michigan this year? Once. They went to, to, to Rutgers. This is going to be their sixth, sixth home game. We'll get to Michigan a Rutgers. little bit later. Um, before we move on, any other underrated teams that you want to throw out? The award goes Washington, to West Virginia. Washington State right now, we kind of touch on them yeah. with, with what they're doing Still right lost now. twice. Boise yeah, State but under the radar, FCS. and I think, I think trending. Uh, you just want to get that, that show in. in Here's one. You desperately want to go to Pullman. Tar Heels. Tar Heels a little bit. I hear you. I mean, it was a, listen. The, the you Virginia get, Tech game when was you such get a letdown. drilled but by to, Virginia Tech. In the rain? Crummy weather, horrible weather. But was it not raining on Virginia Tech? I understand. I get it. I get it. I think, I think they're having a better year than most. And Fedora, he spends a lot of time in the gym. He does. Doing the preacher curl. I think he's, uh, <laughs> he's out after this year. He's going to get a different job. Okay. Um, Adrian says Nebraska is run, underrated too. And uh, I don't want to get into the next part. Nebraska, <laughs> yes, played a, a solid game against Indiana on the road. Indiana. Um, I thought Indiana would actually beat him. I actually picked I did him too. at an upset. Indiana gave, gave Ohio State a good game for a while. So, I know, no, I know they do. I'm sighing that it's Indiana. That like we're giving Nebraska credit totally for going to. You don't just walk into yeah, Bloomington, Bloomington, Indiana, and come out with a wind clap. Uh, you don't walk into it's a Simply Hall 
Oh, wait, that's the I would love to see team. Indiana be better at football, but in the end, good? it's still the Hoosiers. Let's go to best offensive player next. All right, midseason clatter awards. We're going to send a clatter to this one's pretty easy. Yeah, we didn't I mean, Lamar, Lamar Jackson is the midseason offensive player of the year. So, with that being said, we know he's accounted for 30 touchdowns. It's a very easy award to give out at this point. So, actually, we're going to talk about some of the other players that could have potentially been in the running because those are the players that are not getting a lot of due. Lamar's getting his due. Right now, he'd win the Heisman Trophy if it was given out. He's winning the clatter in the midseason. Who are the other guys? Bruce, you mentioned Jake Browning. Jake Browning, Browning 23 yeah. touchdowns, only two picks. You know what? I- I think the problem for him is going to be he needs Lamar to stumble. It is going to be Lamar's Heisman to lose. I think Jake Browning's fine with that, though. Don't, don't you think, though, Jackson's stock, I think it's peaked. I, I think we're at the high, and I think if anything, it's but, starting to trend down. And it's like we talked about, you don't want to be ranked too high at this point. He just in doesn't the year. have a lot of marquee games. That's left. the thing. That's, that's going to hurt him. I don't and know any people, slight stumble. I don't know if Heisman voters are going to be watching Jake Browning enough. We will. But you know how the Heisman yeah. electorate is. I bet you that Jake Browning is on East Coast primetime on Fox four times in November. Yes. If we play our I'm just, I, I know our what our selections grids, are. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and I know like what we would select in, in the conference. I'm prepping myself to do about four or five Washington yeah. games down the stretch. Now, every year is different. Fox is every not a kingmaker. Is... Obviously, the four letter is, but we'll see. Every year is different. Christian McCaffrey didn't win a Heisman last year with a, a you know recognizable last name and story. Most Heisman voters do not know who Jake Browning is. If he walked into that's this, their if, fault. If not he his. walked into the but ESPN it's the headquarters it's the in Bristol, Connecticut, they would not. Ninety-nine percent of the people would not know who he is. It's true. That's true. How about this? Deshaun Watson. That's what I was going to go with. His his numbers, you know, after seven games from last year, his first seven games and his first seven games this year, he's passing for more yards. Uh, His TD to interception ratio is better. His total offensive touchdowns better as well. Again, only one more pick at this point. Right. And you're you're talking, well, you know, depends who the seven seven were last year year and who the seven were this year. They got lucky. They got lucky. They, they, they tried to hand that game away to NC State last oh, was weekend. was it, like a 33-yard field goal? Well, that they the turned missed? it over four times. Can I, I remind you of one zone. key thing here? Sure. He still won. He's not even the most impressive player in his own division. Delvin Cook. Delvin no. Cook? No. No. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Oh, and Delvin Cook. You could say he's third at this point, because I think Delvin's had a better year so far than Deshaun Jackson. But the numbers bear out. What, yeah. The, yeah, he well, could have a late Even push. if Watson you know, lights up Florida State, you know, I, I, obviously that'll help his candidacy. I'm not sure. You know, I think he's back in the pack. I don't know if he has enough that he's going to be able to, to overtake these guys without some help or them stumbling. I don't know who has enough to push them over. Like, we do like Browning, but, you know, the competition isn't going to be sexy and glamorous. And, oh, my gosh, look what he did. Maybe if he lights it I'll up with USC. Enough. Jabril Peppers. That's about it, yeah. And maybe I know J- this is offensive JT player. JT Barrett or Curtis Samuel. I mean, Samuel's numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. And I know he's not going to get a lot of love because of JT Barrett, but Ohio State's got a lot of marquee games. That game is likely going to be two and three in the country. Peppers needs a couple moments. If he yeah. has if, and a big if one, Jabril in Peppers had two picks, one of them taken back for a touchdown and a big return in that game, and they won. Watch out! Can and I throw one quick scenario? Yeah, please. We're going to get ahead of ourselves a little bit. Let's say Miles Garrett has four sacks and two forced fumbles, and Texas A&M knocks off. Knocks off Alabama. I, did, I wouldn't even vote for him as for best defensive player I'm in the saying, country. I'm saying, that though, would get people's attention. He, he's been hurt a little bit. But yeah. now, a bye week that he's gotten healthy, um, he's going to have the, the benefit of people saying he's the, he'll be the number one pick in the draft, so that gives him a level of credibility. And he's on a team that could be 
again, he needs all this stuff to happen this yeah. week. But I think he has a puncher's chance to make some big noise. I week. get it, but defensive ends are so – they can be schemed against. You can just go the opposite direction. I, just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I hear you. Let me see if he gets if he If he, gets if he has three sacks or yeah. four sacks and that's, they win. That's his way of saying no. Let's go to defensive player because we've got a clatter to hang out. Hang uh, (laughs) to I know, right? Am I angry? Everyone tells me I'm angry. I feel like I'm angry. No, your wife doesn't say that either. (laughs) The clatter for best defensive player uh, is going to go to a guy I just mentioned, Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers right now is the best defensive player in the country. You mean Jim Thorpe? The second coming of Jim Thorpe. The second coming of Jim Thorpe, as his coach describes him. I think he's the most disruptive player right now in football. Uh, I think that this is a guy that can hurt you in the special teams. I think that you can put him on offense. And even though we're showing you Lamar Jackson, I'm talking about Jabril Peppers because the dude is amazing. I think that he's got a great shot to go to New York. I'm trying to hit the button because I finally have a disagreement with Joel's picks. You don't like Jabril? I do. I like him. I think if you want to say the best overall player in college football or something like that, most versatile, sure. Uh, I'm going to say a name. You're not going to like it. But... So what? You're going to say Derek Barnett. I'm going to say Derek Barnett. With the Tennessee defensive end, without him, first of all, Tennessee is playing without three of their four best defensive players. They would probably be under 500 without him. You I'm know a- what? I, just in, they just got a letter, and it says, Cry Me a River, signed Utah. Weird. I don't know. Strange. I'm not Strange. saying they should be number three in the polls. I'm just saying Derek Barnett, a leader, 11 and a half tackles for loss. Six sacks, and by the way, they played three rank opponents. He has six tackles for loss in those games, four sacks, two forced fumbles. I thought he won the battle against Cam Robinson last week, which is going to be huge from a scout's perspective because Cam Robinson is going to be one of the top offensive tackles, um, at least projected in next year's draft. He was, he was fantastic. I have, I have no problems with that. I really don't. I think Jabril affects the game in more ways because of his special teams prowess, and I know this is not a special teams award. I actually absolutely thought about Derek Barnett and in fact I do a little sheet every week where I rank like eight Heisman contenders and he's on my thank you I feel I feel one of my eight Heisman contenders I've got Derek Barnett it was almost a nod to Bruce Feldman who is the best insider in the business can can I go back to Peppers real fast please Uh, beyond defensive the best defensive player but just into that Heisman conversation I think maybe the biggest asset he has going for him right now is a head coach that is pushing his agenda off the field, and I think Harbaugh and company are going to be dialing up more and more opportunities yeah. for him to do something special. You know they would love to have him pass for a touchdown. We look forward to well. all to seeing that. And I, I can't wait. Thing and I tell you I what, I, I wasn't a huge Harbaugh guy the last couple of years. I don't know. I think I, I just I wasn't buying into it. But I think now the new must-see television is Michigan's bye week when they're having success and what Harbaugh does. He's on the his chain game. Yeah. He's yeah. on the chain game. He's announcing homecoming queens. He's eating steak and Tri-tip, drinking yeah. milk. Whole, whole you know, milk. And, and everything he's doing, and he has people's attention. Yes. Right? He has our attention. He has, you know, Joe diddly Do, he who's has, got he a Heisman vote. He has their the atten- attention. And people listen and want to see what he's saying. And it's now to the point where if Harbaugh says it, it is the truth. It is godlike. And people are going to follow. Connor says Peppers should be the defensive and offensive player of the year. Apparently, Connor is a big Michigan fan. Uh, Brent, Peppers equals beast mode. I would agree with that. Um, Here's what I love about what Jim Harbaugh does. We don't pay these athletes. So the least we can do is celebrate them. Make them into something. You know, continue uh, the, the, the name equity and build the name equity. 
And I love that he does that. I love that he brings up an individual on his team and he places him up there and says, hey, this kid should get recognition. I love it. Is that a fine line between, you know, look, we were talking about Jake Browning. I really like Chris Peterson, but I don't think it's in his nature no. to push a guy no. out there. And college coaches, I think, often wrestle with making sure it's all about in the locker room. So either A, I think Jim SID's Harbaugh, offices should. Like the school should. But you can't go around your head coach if your head coach doesn't want to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's a See, delicate See, that's balance. where I would disagree with a head coach. To, like, to your point. So if Peterson says, hey, that's just not my nature to do it, that's fine. That's Say, fine. well, it is ours. Let us do ours. Yeah. Thing. Let me give you an example. I don't think Robert Griffin III wins the Heisman without their campaign. Do you remember it? Sure. I mean. I got a football card in the mail. I wasn't even a voter, but I got a, I was a commentator. And so I got a football card every week from Baylor on Monday with his stats from the last game, comparisons to other players. It was a brand new, updated football card of Robert Griffin III. And guess what it made me do during the course of the year? Talk about him. So even as a guy that didn't have a vote at the time, I was talking about him. Their campaign, I believe, along with Lux lost to Oregon, won Robert Griffin III the Heisman. So I do believe it's the school's job. I think it can help that out there. when it's a it's kind of a not off the radar guy. They were ten and three. Yeah, and, and, and they were a the new school, a new new power program, sort of. You know, whereas I think you need it with a Jake Browning. I think you need it when it's a like like if this was the starting quarterback at Michigan, different story. But it's a say x-factor player yes. who plays a lot and i think you do need it then to, to validate him remind you to like our show and share it on facebook you can obviously um uh, sign up and be a part of our podcast this will live as a podcast as well we're about 10 minutes away by the way from talking about ohio state so make sure you stick around because we've got some uh, i've got an interesting opinion on ohio state that you're going to want to uh, be a part of best Jeez. coach mid-season clatter awards we're going to be sending a clatter to Clatter's alma mater, Mike, Mike McIntyre gets a Clatter for the best coach through that the first like half of the season. That seems like a little biased pick. Can I? You may. It's your some, show. It, it's your show. Yeah, let me just. I knew that that would come up. <laughs> I want to give you some details Please. about why I selected Mike McIntyre. What did you think they were going to do before the season started? I thought that he was on shaky ground before the season. Okay. At the end of last season, yeah. I, I was somewhat surprised that he even kept his job. I'm glad that he did. Any truth to the rumor that you were trying to lobby to get Dave Wanstead I heard that off too. our couch and too. into Boulder? I heard that, too. I would, I would vehemently <laughs> deny that. Can you I imagine, Coach? I don't want any bag men the near the Bang. Bus. <laughs> Bang. So, so Mike McIntyre, here's the details of why I gave it to him. They're 5-2. and two. Obviously, they're a resurgence in this season. They're 3-1 and one in conference. Before that, since he got to Colorado before this year, they were 2-25 and 25 in Pac-12 play. He turns it around, they're 3-1. And, and I know that's a small sample size, but they've gained 500 yards in every one of those wins and over 40 points. Like, it has been a staggering turnaround. It wouldn't shock me if they won the division based on what the division is and the fact that they have the one-game lead over USC, which I think is playing the best football in the, in the division. So that one-game lead is big for them. I think they can beat Stanford when they go there this week because Stanford's defense is really bad and Colorado can score on anybody. Mike McIntyre, I think, deserves some credit, and that's why he's my midseason coach of the year for the oh, well, coach of the midseason awards. Clatter's going to Boulder. Okay with that? Um, I'm, yeah, no, no, I, I, it's hard to. It's, you wanted Larry Fedora. Like, <laughs> I like the Buffs. Uh, you know, I mean, they're essentially in 26th place right now in the AP. Um, what they've done, I, I, there were no expectations. Missus in there. 
right? There, but there were no expect, expectations for the Buffaloes. I think college football is better with Colorado involved. That's right. I'm happy he had success. That's right, Robbie it, it's hard to It's hard to disagree. Uh, P.J. Fleck, Western Michigan, I mean, what, He's what, done great what they're job. doing, fantastic. In his last year at Western Michigan. Uh, exactly. I'll throw Dana Holgerson. Some yeah, love the fight in Dana Holgerson. Really Another guy who's on well. the hot seat. Still exactly. And in one of their last 11 games. Uh, He's going back to really last season. And, and here's my pet peeve with coach of the year categories, no matter the sport, that the guys up top always seem to get overlooked. Right, I mean, I think we all agree. Urban Meyer is one of the best coaches in the game. Young and, team, and with yeah. a young team, yeah. and he goes back. to Wisconsin and he does these things. He's not going to be in any of these conversations, really. Maybe he should if be. it continues, he should be. Saban should Absolutely be as should well. Nate Saban should be. Absolutely, because they continue to do this. They continue to play every game with that bullseye on their back, and they get the results. But this is an award, and I understand it. That's built to reward the school and the coach who had low expectations. But sometimes those upper echelon guys, I think, need to be rewarded and told how good of a job they are because they do earn it. Yeah, towards that end, by the way, it's that's been a good like, call. And Saban has a true freshman quarterback. I mean, oh, so, by the yeah, way, it's yeah. been like 30 years since an Ohio State coach has won Coach of the Year in the Big Ten. I mean, it's some ridiculous like because of the fact right. we we're talking about. One guy I would like to I point bet you out. Joe Tiller won twice or three Ooh, times. The fight in Joe Tiller, right? Because Purdue would love him back schools, right now. It's like, oh, Purdue won. Seriously, why would, Joe Tiller? Why wouldn't Purdue go call Joe Tiller right Low now? Low expectations. Like, I think that's why Bill Snyder right gets now. a lot Come of Come on, that he's chewing on one ice. One guy I would like to. I, I'm agreeing with you, by the way, on McIntyre. But one guy I think we, who's very, I think has been done a terrific job. He just lost the other night. But that's Paul Christ. I mean, yeah. for Wisconsin to have survived. In, to be in the top ten after the first six games of what they faced. And I thought he did a fantastic job against a much more talented, faster team at, at Ohio State and kept them off balance for the first half of the game. Uh, I, thought he's, I think he's done a fantastic job, especially with they lost their best defensive player and they're still, still playing everybody tough. Can I add one quick? Yeah, uh, please. On, on Wisconsin. I, I, I love Paul Chris. I think he's fantastic. So here we are, Wisconsin, still in the top ten yep. as a two-loss team. Yep. That tells you the respect that the Big Ten now has. Because usually that, that is reserved for an SEC club. I get it. No, right? it, was, it was back-to-back losses against Under, those two teams. Understood. And by a total of 14 points. Absolutely. But and you know, know what so I'm saying. They did beat LSU. And they did early. beat but LSU. But in the past, it would be like, yeah. sorry, Wisconsin. Good seeing you. Yeah. Work your way up from 19. And technically, their resume is going to show that they're 2-2 two and two against top 10 teams. Because Michigan State, I know right. this seems yeah. crazy, but they were in the oh, top 10. Smarty. What has happened? Ooh, um, Smarty. I don't know what happened there. Okay, we're, we're getting close to the Ohio State talk. But first, we got to hand out a clatter because saw some video last week. And I give a shout out to my broadcast associate who's on our crew uh, with Fox Sports, Caden Pfeiffer, who was a walk-on wide receiver at Syracuse. And when he showed me Dino Baber's speech at the end of that game when they beat Virginia Tech 31-17. I knew that a clatter had to go up there to Syracuse, New York. Dino Babers gets a clatter for best locker room speech. Whose house? Oh. Oh. 
that's the best. I love college football so much. I know this has been like the all movie quote episode, but that scene, like, in the, when before it gets rowdy at the end, it reminds me of that scene in Glory before the last fight scene where they're they're doing the. Mm -hmm. Fun watching you keep rhythm. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm terrible at rhythm. But you, you know what I'm talking that, about? Do you remember it's when like, they had that? It's, the it was like a sermon. They you know what I mean? dancing. Oh, yeah. They did catch me dancing oh. on the air one time. Did it was they? bad. Yeah, it was it a little Carlton-esque. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you don't remember this? Say? Don't. When you don't have rhythm, you don't have rhythm. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out on But it was, like, it was like a sermon. He was, you know, and the well, players were by it. They're kneeling, quiet, the I thought this was, like, I saw this late. My game was late. I got back to my hotel, and I saw the video of this, and I was like, oh, my God, this is Syracuse. Like, Syracuse. You know, yeah, Syracuse yeah. has been down so long. Yeah. I mean, it was like before you played when Syracuse. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been. It's like McNabb. Yeah. I mean, it's but been so since long they were really since good. really good or relevant or just for have a reason to be excited. And that was, I thought that was pretty awesome. Um, the all-time irony in college football is that the Carrier Dome does not have air conditioning. Just thought I'd throw Have you ever played there. in there? I've played in no. there. No. It is, it is bizarro. Is it really? Because you, you walk in to these outside doors that are like weigh as much as this set. And then like I went, I played soccer there. It was like literally the entire soccer team had to hold each other <laughs> to like pull this <laughs> vacuum door open. And it just like sucks you in there. And it's got this huge, it had this huge crown. Really? Where you're on one side of the field and you're on your toes. That doesn't to make any sense. Yeah, thank cold. you. They don't it need made no sense at all. And it's huge, and it's just. But you it's know, so it, dang. Like my high school played uh, in there probably 15, 20 years ago, and I remember it's so empty. Yeah. But unless, and it's the it's like being in an airplane hangar. The communication is borderline impossible. Interesting. There's no, no yeah. there is like no life to the place. It's strange. But maybe there Very is now. What, you know, now there is. There's there definitely is in the locker room. Doesn't look like an expensive locker room. The kids on above the locker, he's like the roof's raised, banging on the. You gotta love it. Post game locker room speeches are the best. Um, let's get to some games this weekend. A and M, Alabama. Uh, a and M, six in the country, is going to travel to number one Alabama. Um, Nick Saban has won his last five SEC matchups against top ten teams. He has five 13 plus game winning streaks in his career. How about um, that, by the way? Pretty, pretty amazing. Um, by the way, the next closest teams in his tenure at Alabama all combined. There's three of them. It's like LSU. Who is it? LSU Ohio has State, two. Stanford, all with two. Ohio State has two. Stanford has two. So the next closest three teams have six combined. He's got five at Alabama. Um, guys, I think I saw somewhere where Bama's favored 17. by like 17. 17. Does that really surprise you? I know that they're going to get I a little bump be because little they're low. Bama. Do you really? Yeah, it's Bama. They're Are we picking this game people. right now? Do you, are you ready? I'm ready right now. You're re Bruce wants to go A and M. Bruce, Bruce is gonna go A and M. He's I'm gonna Miles Garrett he Heisman. Want, you want chaos? He's ready for chaos. Do it! Come on, let's smell that new car smell. I'm telling you. First of all, I feel good that they're going to not lose by 17 or more. Um, they had Bruce the, they is had calling the, the cover. They had the bye week. <laughs> yeah, calling the cover. <laughs> no, you know what? I'm gonna pick the upset here. Nice. Don't let me bait you into it. No. Only if you want as, it. As soon as. I think they have enough athletes. I don't think, you know, Jalen, fast. Jalen Hurts was terrific. And the, the thing that would give me a little pause is last year in the bowl game, Lamar Jackson ran all over them. And it was a lot of similar stuff that we mm -hmm. saw last week from uh, Lane Kiffin unveiled with Jalen Hurts. 
but I think the maturity, and I think they have better players in the secondary than they have in the past. Assuming Miles Garrett is close to 100%, I like what they're doing in the design run game with uh, Trevor Knight. As long oh, and, as he doesn't and turn who's it over the, the uh, running back? Uh, Tra- Travion Williams, Williams, yes, who leads the country in yards in the fourth down and is on and, Four, sorry, in the fourth, in fourth quarter. quarter and is averaging like 13 yards a carry. Now he's not going to run like that, I don't think, against Alabama. But you know what? I'm feeling I'm playing a hunch. I think there's going to be a big upset here. Mm. It's definitely the style of system that that Bama has historically struggled with. Although this A&M version is not as Pass heavy. They lean on the run. But they game have with really Knight good and receivers. Williams. And if you're going to beat, if you are going to beat Alabama, you talk to anybody in the SEC. They say that the one thing is you got to take shots on them. And Josh Reynolds, uh, Christian Kirk, they have guys who can Speedy do damage. Noel, Noel, yeah. Noel. Come on. You, you don't want any? Of that? I love upsets. I love upsets. I just don't. But, I just yeah. don't. 17 points is scaring you or Alabama I don't see it. it has, you know what? I'm not a point guy. That has nothing to do with it. So, but I think they're going to drop a lot. On this game. Because I think they're flying right now with what they did to Tennessee. I think they're just like, man, dudes, we're, we're, we're off to the Final Four. This is going to be the first test that Alabama has this year. That they're coming off a, a game in which there's not a lot to be mad at. Hmm. Nick Saban loves us against the world. Yeah, well, not necessarily. Yeah, or or just an opportunity to get after his team. You know, we didn't play well enough. You know, whether it was Arkansas on the pass defense going into Tennessee, or or they played someone early right before a big early game, and he was all mad about this. This was most dis- disappointing he's ever Kentucky. been after a win Western or something Kentucky. along those lines. He needs lines. to get pissed off at Lane Kiffin. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I thought like he, he a needed a blow at Lane Kiffin yeah. or something along those lines. That being said. Alabama is just so good, and I, I am not going to pick against Alabama all year. They're my pick for the national champion. Their quarterback has proven that they're a different offense than what they've been in the last couple of years when they've just had kind of guys out there at the quarterback position. Their pass defense scares me a little bit, but I don't think a and going to sit there and run the football like they have been against Alabama. I don't think that either. But Th- That's going to be difficult for them. And here's the, the last reason why I just don't see it. A&M at home got seven turnovers and still had to beat Tennessee in overtime. That doesn't cut it at Alabama. It just, it just doesn't. You know, they couldn't put away UCLA. So there's that little drift to, to A&M still. They haven't gone out there and just throttled somebody. No. And, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. They've won games. Good for them. I just don't see it in Tuscaloosa. I'd be curious that when you were saying about, you know, not being mad or coming off of what Nick Saban's record would be after his team is covered against a top 10 team or something like that. Oh, interesting. Get John you know, Hadley online. John five. Hadley, pack of cools <laughs> for payment on that. Let's Smoke move on. if you got him. Let's get to Ohio State and Penn State. They're going to go to Penn State. I don't think Penn State's going to put up much of a, a fight in that one. I like Ohio State. That's a young team. I think they learned a lot about themselves last week. However, based on what I saw, in their game against Wisconsin versus what Michigan did against Wisconsin. And I understand Ohio State was on the road and Michigan was at home. I get it. I understand that was a night game and um, Camp Randall's a tough place to play. I moved Michigan ahead of Ohio State, and that's even after what I saw against Oklahoma. And I am so impressed with Ohio State. I think they're a great team. But Michigan is dominant right now. They gave up 28 points to Colorado, which is very good offensively, 13th total offense in the country. They've given up 35 total points in every other game, including Wisconsin, I think that offensively, Michigan is at this point a little bit better than Ohio State, even though Ohio State probably has better players. 
But guys, as we talk about Ohio State and Penn State, it just brings that question up because those teams are going to be compared until they match up as undefeateds, which I think that they will. At this point, I think Michigan gets the nod for me is over this, Ohio State. Is this your Ohio State talk, or do you have another Ohio State this talk? This is it right this here. It. That was, so we're that in our Ohio State block? That, that was my big opinion on Ohio State. So let me get, I, I just want to make this – I want to get Michigan. straight. So, a lot of notes there. Well, he, none of them have anything to do with this show. Uh, <laughs> the, fighting, the fighting Jim Harbaugh's – Take the week off, right? Tuesday, I've got right. The fighting Jim Harbaugh's are hanging out at Ruth Chris. They're hanging out at high school football games. Am I correct? Four a.m. Right? Copa America, <laughs> Champions sorry. League yeah, tomorrow, sorry. right? So they're they're sitting in Ann Arbor. They're doing nothing. The Buckeyes go to Madison, and rally and win in overtime. I know. And we're walking away like, mmm, Buckeyes. And yet you have the gall to say the maize and blue over the scarlet and gray. I think that they, for that one week, Michigan did nothing last week. I, I understand that, You're but really on this hard. But what they kick, did prior, what they did prior, and to the Rutgers, fact, to Rutgers, <laughs> Joel Klatt, Rutgers. What what should a great team do to Rutgers? Yeah, Hold yeah. them to thirty six yeah. yards and score seventy eight <laughs> points. I mean, that's what you do to Rutgers. It was kind right? of fun watching that game, actually. Yes, team was gonna. Ah, it's like what, what? What a happens, great acquisition for the Big Ten. What happens when you put a great team against air? Yeah, Michigan Rutgers. Guess what? Here this we go. Can get. I bring a little bit of Please, sense come on. back to this come show? On. So well, you tease oh, this by going. Sense back to the show. I, I, you tease this by saying uh, Penn State, Ohio State game. Just let me ask you this. What percent chance would you give Penn State at home with Saquon Barkley, good receivers, of pulling the big upset here? Zero. Zero. Twenty-five. Zero percent. Because I think Happy Valley is due. It's one of those weird gut things. Like, you feel They, were, they had a bye week. Ohio State just came off a pretty tough game. Ask yourself this, Bruce. What chance do you give James Franklin of beating Urban Meyer? Not zero. I would give, I would give maybe, zero. Urban I would, Meyer's maybe someone, I wouldn't give it 25. He's back. He's back. 20 games, 20 and 0 in true road games. I'm with you, but sometimes don't you just yeah. 20 and 0? He, what'd you say, 25%? 20%? I, 25 might have been a little high. Okay, I'm going to say 10%. All right. I, I, zero still is low. I'm sorry, zero is like what I would put if I they believe were playing in my Purdue picks. right now. I believe in my picks. James Franklin coach team is not going to beat an They Meyer almost beat him two right years now. ago. They played in overtime. That was two years ago. I mean, I don't know if Penn State's any worse now than they were two years ago. I mean, Saquon Barkley's a better player than they had on offense. They have very good receivers. Two years ago, they were still riding somewhat of quality play from Hackenberg. They don't have that anymore. I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't see it. I think Ohio State learned a lot about themselves. They're continuing to get better. They're continuing to grow. I don't think Penn State is very good. I saw them lose to Pitt. Maybe blew out Maryland. James Franklin is just kind of, meh. Yeah. Okay. No, meh is okay. a good word for Penn State. That's why I feel like they are waiting They've been gifted this opportunity. They are home. Ohio got State number just came two. off of they got an the emotional book. game. Absolutely, where, where all they're doing is, is reading their plaudits. Like, oh, good job, guys. You came back. You fought back. You were so team. impressive in fourth quarter. Dealt with the, the weather that only wanted to turn on when you guys had the ball. Um, how you finished them off in overtime was so impressive. The offensive and the defensive side. 3%. Um, not asking a lot. It's got to be. It's got to be some kind of whiteout at Penn State, right? It is a whiteout. Doing something. It is a whiteout. Great. I guess atmosphere because something because it's a whiteout and the environment, Bruce. I'm going to give you nothing. Zero percent chance that Penn State beats Ohio State. I hope you're not like this. Dour demeanor, not rubbing off on poor Shannon Spake every week. (laughs) (laughs) You got to believe in your picks, right? I mean, listen, you got to truth. 
got to sure. get out there and believe it. I also thought I was going to get a hit every single at-bat, and I hit just above the Mendoza line in minor league baseball, so that's good, although that's better than Tebow. Um, let's Ooh. go Utah-UCLA. <laughs> Ah, Tebow. Tebow got in. That old boy. I think he got a hit today. He got off the schneid. Really? He's tearing it up. Hey, man. One for 20. Okay, Utah, UCLA. That's a game I'm going to be at. Utah has even more injuries than Tennessee, and I think a lot of you understand what Tennessee is going through. And listen, I get it. Injuries are, are terrible. Let me just give you a quick rundown for Utah. Joe Williams was their starting running back to start the year, okay? Feed the machine after he comes out of retirement. So he, Feed him, he, baby. He gets an injury and retires. Now, they had some good young running backs behind him. Armand Shine, Zach Moss. Um, Troy McCormick. Troy McCormick, all these guys. They all went down. Jordan Howard, a walk-on, comes in for Stringer. He goes down. So Love they it. called up Joe Williams, and they were like, we really need you back. So he comes out of retirement, Farvesque. And goes up to Corvallis last week at Oregon State and runs for 179 yards on like 30, 34 carries. 34 carries. 34 times. You're out of retirement. Guess what? Guess You're back what? in, Boom. baby. Here you go. How those legs feel on Wait, Sunday? you retired for health issues? Here's yes. 33 carries. <laughs> Good luck. We're going to finish you off. <laughs> Man. Utah up to 19, 6-1, 3-1, tied with somebody's Buffaloes atop the Pac-12 South. And then it's this US, UCLA team that is – I don't have that no you idea. get the sense – they're just hanging on, hanging on, that, that there's this offense-defense. They could either come together and just, get much yeah. better, or it's going to rip it's apart the seams. And, and Mora has really kind he of He was melting down on his punter. I watched that game. Actually, Mike Faithful, who played for Rosen, I thought actually played reason, you know, reasonably I thought he well. was a former yeah. walk-on. Yeah. He couldn't. Hey, what do you got they know. about former <laughs> they know. walk-on? They could. They throw the ball fine. Yeah. Good wide receivers. They cannot run. They cannot Can't run block. the ball. They ran the ball for what? Forty-three yards against. One hundred sixty-eight out of one hundred sixty-eight teams. They average ninety-one point one a game. Two point eight per carry. Two point eight per carry. Two point eight per carry. Mora. It's as bad as I've ever seen. Last week, forty-three rush attempts. I'm sorry, forty-three rush yards, averaging one point seven against Washington State. One point seven. Think of it this way. You can average more than 2.8 yards per carry just by getting back to the line of scrimmage and falling falling forward. forward. I mean, I don't want to pile on here, but that's why Mora is upset. And listen, he's saying worse things than we're saying about their own running game. Their defense is really good. Yeah. Their defense is very good. Uh, Tom Tom Bradley is their defensive coordinator. They're athletic. They tackle well. They've improved since last year. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw some sort of 10 to 9, you know, 13, you know, 14, 13 style but of I mean, game. Everything is, is Rosen going to play or not? Right. Uh, I think that's a big question. I'm not sure. It's starting to more like he's spinning like I think he's close. I think he's close. That's a tough one, though, because that kid's got a bright future. At least we think he does. Uh, we would have said that about Hackenberg two it, years ago. So but I, I find this issue. Yes, he has a bright future. But there's also obviously this, this personal connection. Between Rosen their neighbors, I mean, Mora. they, they go way back. So yeah. I, I wonder if there is this sense in Mora's head that I owe this kid extra responsibility more than maybe all of my I other. I thought it was interesting last week. How far we go back and what his what his ceiling is or what his projection is. In, in, in line with that, Rob, I thought it was interesting that he. How often do you hear a coach say like, "Hey, it's going to be up to him." Yeah. In college football, you never hear that. You know, we're going to make a decision the tra- that's, the that's best for the player yeah. and, the, and blah, 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 blah. He said, listen, J- like Josh is going to tell me if he can play or not. He went out, dressed, tried to throw, threw about a 10-yard ball, winced, and it was over. So he's dealing with a leg injury. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. If you, uh, Here's just a uh, 
gross, not skepticism, but as a quarterback, if I'm going to try to play one week, I'll likely be ready the next week. Does that make sense? I think if it's close enough, if it's given a seven days. That's right. To put pads and a helmet right. on for warm-ups. And they give you some amazing drugs. Dr. Feelgood. Oh, it's so good. The shot that they give you. Are you wrapping up the show, or do I have time for one more comment? Go, please. Are you done? Please. All right, can I go we back have to no the... commercial breaks. It's Facebook Live. Oh, is that right? Is that Utah thing? No, no, it's not Utah thing. I do, I do like um, Kyle Whittingham and his enjoyment. And Joe of my, Williams, out of, of retirement. Of, of leather pants. But I want to go back to, to Jim Mora. Um, because we've done a lot of UCLA games in the past, and one of Coach Mora's pre-game traditions when he's home is he runs the steps yeah. at the Rose Bowl. And we're talking full-on sweat, yep. running the steps. And we get great video of it, and, and it triggered it in my mind the other day, and I sent a note to our production crew because we have that game yep. on Fox. You and Gus will be calling that. When I go for a run or I'm stressed out, I, I want to go for a run. I want to go work out. It's, it's kind of my chance to, to clear my head, to think about what's going on. So I propose, and I'm curious what you guys would say, Moore's running those steps in Pasadena, and it's supposed to be hot, big heat wave coming yes. through. You know, what is his thought process, th- thought process going on right now? Can I, right? See, well, that's what I'm talking about. You think so? I don't think so, but I mean, just, well, maybe a little bit. Every time I've talked with Jim, he's, and, and he might just be saying this, but he's always seemed pretty happy. He tells me he, he likes taking a kid and recruiting a kid and watching him grow. Um, now, this is what all coaches say, so I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the NFL, but this is going to be tough. They're three and four. Well, no one's taking him from the NFL right now. Yeah, so, I mean, if you're talking the two hottest candidates from college to the NFL right now, one I don't get at all, which is Tom Herman, and the other is David Shaw, even regardless yeah. of if they're, they've got two losses or not. Those are the two guys that I hear when I talk with NFL personnel. I don't hear Mora a lot, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he would go or not. I mean, I know he likes L.A., and he likes, you know, he's a Manhattan Beach guy. And the, the one part that I think is challenging is UCLA has its own challenges, not necessarily support-wise, but I remember, you know, Rick Neuheisel would always talk about these headaches you get that they are not always committed. Now, they have new facilities coming and upgrading, but some other challenges that are kind of a pain in the ass, to be honest. Going forward from what, that. What are what, things you can tell us? Or? Uh, some stuff that's like, just like annoyances that they deal with that, at other schools that you wouldn't have to deal with, like mid-level management kind okay. of things that I know hard. There are up. some programs that you walk in as the football coach and you You're say, I need yeah. X, Y, and Z. Done. Great. Boom. At Stanford, you say, I need X, Y, and Z. And they're like, how about half of Y? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and then you have to pull teeth for X and Z. And then, you they, know have, what I mean? then they ask you an impossible math question that you can't figure out. That's right. But, I, I was mean, told there would be no algebra. X squared minus That's right. You get into Mora. So he's beaten, he beat USC the first three times he got there. They loved him. But all of a sudden now I feel like there's a lot of friction around. And... I don't know. After a while, I think they get tired of certain yeah. things. No, I, I watched agree. some of the, you know, the game last week, and you could see a lot of frustration around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's been a good fit at UCLA. I mean, I don't know where he would go. I, I don't know. I, I mean, think he's got a good gig going on. He's got a great on. gig. Yeah. Um, UCLA the, is a wonderful program. Th- there's going to be a lot of heat on a guy like Adrian Klim, who's their offensive line coach and their run game coordinator, and you know he's gotten a lot of titles. Jim has fought really hard. So at UCLA, here's an example. He's fought really hard tooth and nail to get his assistants paid better. 
Because remember, they have to live in Los Angeles. Right. When you pay a guy $500,000 to be the coordinator at Texas Tech, he lives like a king. $500,000, those of you that don't live in L.A. That's gas money. It doesn't you look, you look go like that far. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're... So he's had to fight tooth and nail to get his yeah. assistant coaches paid a little bit more. But now that's starting to, to haunt him when it comes to a guy like Adrian Clem, who's got the NCAA things yeah, hanging over his head so if, he, if he were to, to leave UCLA. He's gotten a decent amount of money. I think it's 750000 is what Clem makes. And they're running it for 2.8 per carry. I think those are the things that are going to start to wear on Jim when he's running the yeah. steps. It's a lot of money per yard paid. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But we'll see. And, uh, yeah, I've got that game this week. I can't wait for it. Kyle Whittingham, by the way, and the Utah Utes. I'm going to close with this. In the last 22 games, no Pac-12 team has been better than the Utah Utes. 18-4 and four in their last 22, tied with Stanford uh, over that stretch as the best team in the conference. So they've done a heck of a job moving from the Mountain West into the Pac-12. Give a lot of credit to Kyle Whittingham. Can't wait to speak with him tomorrow on Wednesday. Rob, thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Very Thank fiery. You. I appreciate you calling me angry. Calling me out for the being a The mad clatter, baby. The mad clatter. The My clatter awards name. were great. Appreciate you, Bruce, as always. You're like a stalwart here every know, single I week. Like can I get a ride home, by the way? You can. Thank you. Do you need one? Seriously? seriously oh, yeah. I can oh, do that. Oh, perfect. Look at hey, that. Hey, by the way, how we're are our numbers? Because last time I was here, I, Adrian, heard we, I heard we hit records. We're, we're going to get we that. We record numbers when Stone replaced Rob Leinart. Stone believes Bagels that. Is it a Rob Stone balance or is it a Bagels and Is that right? You know, we are we were the number one sports network in America last number, week. Were we the number one cable network? Not just sports. We beat Fox News. I know. Bang! Take that. America! <laughs> you love us! Wait, are we saying take that Fox News? That doesn't seem all right. Of all of them. Rupert's not happy. We're taking a shot at ourselves at this point. Hey, subscribe to the podcast, Breaking the Huddle on iTunes. Share it, as always. We appreciate you watching it. We're going to be back next Tuesday, live on Facebook. So join us then. Bruce Feldman will be here. We hope Rob is going to be here. We might upgrade for a Heisman Trophy winner. That would be a good move. Ron Dane is coming in. Ron Dane! I don't know who's going Go Badgers. Thanks for watching, everybody. This show brought to you, as always, by who? Dr. Pepper.